some time. Um, I just want to give a bit of an introduction before we start to, to move forward. We, um, we've been going through this Testify series, and the real goal has been to just, uh, you know, like I said, I, I lost the, the bet between the name of the sermon series, which was The Greatest Sermons Never Preached, versus Testify. But what we were really getting to is just the sense in which our stories are communicating the potency of the gospel. So we've looked at stories in the scriptures and we've heard from people about how Jesus has encountered them and, and absolutely transformed their lives in real and transformative ways. We wanted to cap this sermon series, Testify, with a, uh, a family in our church that has uh, been through an incredible amount and how God has worked and all the intricate details of that. So the entire sermon this morning is actually going to be their story. And, and what we want to do is... is um, unite threads of the gospel and what Christ has done in the midst of their story and, and really how that impacts us. And so by God's mercy and by the work of, of, of Barry and Carolyn Haston, we were able to get um, an audio testimony from their son, Austin, who is currently in prison. And I want him to share with you his story. So we couldn't get video um, but we do have audio of his testimony. And so if we could play that audio now, and then I'll, I'll invite the Hastings up front. Good morning, brothers and sisters. It's an honor to testify before you today to what the Lord has done and is doing in my life. My name's Austin Haston. I'm 31 years old, and I've completed about eight and a half years on a 40-year sentence for murder. Yet, I'm also a senior at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary on the Darrington Unit. And for this, I can only give glory to God. You know, the journey that got me here uh, wasn't easy. There was an uphill battle, but um, I can't blame me coming here on my childhood growing up. I mean, as, as y'all know, y'all met my parents. Um, I was raised uh, morally proper. Um, I had every chance in the world to succeed. But one thing I've come to realize is that sin is no respecter of persons. It affects all of us, from the least to the greatest. Every one of us who's born into this world has been affected by sin in one way or another. But I can say that there was a turning point in my life. Um, I, I grew up, um, I was a somewhat, I was a good kid. I think you could ask my parents and they'd say, they testified to that. But around the age 12, my granddad passed away. And I couldn't wrap my mind around how a loving God could take my granddad from me. And so from that point on, uh, I rejected God. It wasn't until I, I ever believed God didn't exist. It was, I had a hate for God because I felt like he hated me. And it led me down this road of drugs and alcohol and sexual immorality and all manner of other things. And by the time I graduated from high school and made it into college, um, my drug and alcohol abuse went from a slow trickle of water coming out of the dam to a flood. And the dam was fixing the burst. So I ended up going to rehab uh, while I was at Texas A&M for drugs. And while I was there, I ended up coming to know a God of my own understanding. But I soon found out that the God of your own understanding is no God at all. And so I eventually uh, led me to where I'm at today and the crime I'm incarcerated for. Now, when I got locked up, I read the Bible for the first time. And I thought, okay, maybe I can plea bargain with God, right? And I, I told God, you know, if you get me out of this situation, I'll serve you forever. But when I was sentenced to 40 years, 
I didn't see it as a blessing, even though it was an act of mercy. I just, I ended up turning away from God even more. I continued to do drugs. I continued to drink. And ultimately, when I left county and got to holiday unit, I planned on joining a prison gang. But something happened when I was on holiday unit in July 2015. I came in contact with a holy God. And, and I remember there was a, uh, a Christian there who shared the gospel with me. And I wasn't really trying to hear it back then. But as most of us can testify, we never know when those seeds we planted will grow. Now, one day, I, I get a lay-in to go to the chaplain's office. And oftentimes, when you get called to the chaplain's office and you haven't been putting in for it, it's typically because a family member has died. So I was all worried. I go to the chaplain's office, and he, he hands me a, a packet. And he says, hey, you've uh, received an application to the Bible college on the Barrington unit. And I was like, man, I am not trying to hear that. I, I do not want to study the Bible. I have nothing for God. He said, you know what, take it, take it and think about it. So I took it back to my housing area, and uh, I throw it on my bunk, and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to call my parents and ask them. So as I'm heading to the phone, I look on my homeboy's bunk, and there's this magazine, and on the back of the magazine, uh, there's a bunch of diamonds, right? And for some reason, it stuck out. I didn't know why at that point. So I go and get on the phone. I call my mom and dad, and I uh, tell them about this packet. And they're super excited. They're like, oh, yes, please sign up, please sign up. Uh, because obviously they knew kind of where my life was heading. And uh, I told them, you know what, I'll think about it. So when I got off the phone, it's like I heard this audible voice. And God told me, either, you're going to serve me? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and you're going to spend the rest of your life in here and you're going to die in here. But... <laughs> Me and my hardness of heart, I said, uh, you know what, God? If this is really you, this is what you want, you're going to have to show me a sign. <laughs> and as I walked back behind that bunk, I looked back down at that magazine, and on the back, the diamonds were in the shape of a heart with Jesus' face silhouetted in the middle. And uh, <laughs> needless to say, I broke down, and uh, I just cried out to the Lord. I couldn't do it anymore, and um, I needed him in my life. I needed forgiveness, and uh, I haven't been the same since that moment. And when you come into contact with the Holy God, you'll never be the same. And so I ended up applying at the Bible College. I didn't get accepted that year, but uh, I got shipped to another unit where I got in the faith-based program. I met a lot of other Christian brothers who surrounded me and encouraged me and helped me grow in my faith. Um, I got involved with teaching classes and, and giving exhortations in the day rooms and down at the chapel. And eventually that following year, uh, 2017, I was accepted into Bible college. And through Bible college, I, I learned how to preach. I learned how to teach, evangelize, counsel. And I learned who God was and what he expected of me. And just... He's provided me with so many different opportunities here um, to further his kingdom. I've been able to tear walk on closed custody and preach and evangelize to some of the most hardened criminals in the penitentiary. 
I've seen gang tattoos from head to toe, uh, gang members, gang leaders, uh, some of the most hardened criminals uh, convert and give their life to Jesus Christ. I've helped participate in the baptisms of men on SEG and close custody, and God provided me with opportunities to counsel men who have lost family members and to counsel men who were dying themselves. And I just, it blows my mind, because if you would have told me all this, you know, seven years ago, ten years ago, I would have laughed in your face. But God can take any situation, no matter how bad, no matter how dire, no matter how wicked and evil, and use it for the good and for the purpose of his kingdom. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life, where you've been, what sins you've committed, or even where you're at today. When you fully surrender to God... He will cleanse you. He will transfer you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The sun will set you free. And who the sun sets free is free indeed. And I just uh, I thank y'all for allowing me the opportunity to share my testimony. And I know many of y'all have testimonies and uh, can testify to the power of Jesus Christ and the working of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I pray that if any of y'all have family members who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, who are struggling with sin, Share the gospel with them. Share my testimony. Share your testimony. It's never too late for somebody to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and for them to be changed forever. Now, before I leave, uh, I just want to read one scripture to y'all. And I think it's something that we as believers can all testify to. It's Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I just want y'all to know that I love all of you, and I can't wait to meet all of you in person someday, whether it be in this life or the next. God bless y'all. Thank you. Barry and Carolyn, if you guys would come up for me, please. I'll scoot over so we can make ourselves fully available on the live stream. So what a testimony. Um, Austin's testimony is unbelievably powerful and, and challenging, and I love what he said. Um, you know, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but it's Christ that lives in me. In the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Um, but his testimony is not the only one. Um, his story brought you guys through a tremendous amount of what I would imagine would be a lot of ups and downs. Capture for us just a bit about how, um, from your vantage point, things transpired and what you sensed the Lord was doing in you through Austin's not only sin that he committed in terms of murder, but also just his sentencing and those things. Like, take us through where you sense the Lord touching on your guys' life. Well, um... You know, it was, we, we chased him around for several years while he was, you know, horribly addicted to drugs. Um, we kept hoping that he would swim out of it. Um, when all this sort of fell apart, he was three hours away from getting his Aggie ring. Hmm. So he's no, he was no dummy. Hmm. Um, and um, he went to rehab and we sort of, you know, thought this thing was going to turn around. Uh, it didn't. He, he got on meth and then it just 
completely fell apart from there. Um, but when it happened, and I remember getting the call that night, um, and the feeling that I had was, I mean, it was like he poured a cold bucket of water over my whole body. Hmm. And, you know, if you got kids, I mean, you got a lot of hopes and dreams wrapped up in them. Hmm. And those were gone. Hmm. I mean, at that moment, um, every hope, every dream, every aspiration I had for my son was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, you know, the day that we went down there and he pled guilty and they walked him in and he was chained from head to toe, mm. head shaved. Um, Carol and I were in the courtroom all by ourselves. The other family was on the other side. Um, we got to listen to what a monster our son was. Mm. Um, and <clears throat> I thought you were going to be the one to cry. You're talking. But I remember us walking out of the courtroom that day, and I, I literally didn't think the sun was going to come up the next day. Mm. I mean, I just, um, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't mad at God. I didn't blame God. I, I, I just think I was just sort of numb and just kind of trying to make it from one day to the next. Um, you know, but, but God was there mm-hmm. because I, I I could not, I was able to function a little. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really think, uh, you know, it was because God was there beside me. Mm-hmm. You know, you see that poster in everybody's house where the, the footsteps are in the sand. It's mm-hmm. a single set. Yeah, yeah. That was us, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but anyway, go ahead. Um, uh, I guess for me, kind of the same kind of question with that. Um, it, you know, it was such a shock um, when we got the phone call. Uh, of course, it's always at night time. Mm-hmm. Night time always seems to be the worst. Um, I guess my initial was fear. Um, uh, how are we going to deal with this? Our first kind of incentive was to get to our younger son, Quentin, that was living in Weatherford at the time. Uh, before it broke the news, um, get to our parents uh, before they heard it on the news. Um, we kind of went into action mode, I guess, but it was almost, I kept thinking it was somehow a bad dream and that I'd wake up. Um, I, I just don't even remember thinking. I think we just kind of acted. Yeah, yeah I mean, we, I, I remember we, we, we sat there, it was probably 2 o'clock in the morning, and we said, oh my gosh. This is going to get the news. It's going to get on Facebook. It's going to, everybody's going to know about it. We drove to our son Quentin's apartment and waited outside all night until like six in the morning until his light turned on because we didn't want to wake him up. And then went up and you know knocked on the door and of course he was shocked to see us and he said Bubba's dead. Did you live with that fear? On somewhat of a regular basis, just as you were watching your son and feeling like you're trying to manage the story and your world sort of falling apart, was there just a level of chronic fear that a phone call would come because of the trajectory that Austin was on? Oh my gosh! Um, you know, when when all his drinking and drugging started, you know, I I, I at that moment continued. Because my relationship with God is not what it is today. I felt somehow maybe I had done something wrong and it was being taken out of my son. Um, 
and I've, my whole relationship is completely different today. But, but so I kept trying to figure out a way that I could try to fix it. You know, um, what is it that I can do to make this right? And uh, this goes back to uh, good deeds don't get you in heaven, <laughs> which I believed for a long time. Yeah. So, um, but you know, the fear was just in, in embarrassment and hiding. We were keeping it from our parents. Uh, Austin, here again, when he's not, doesn't have the drugs and alcohol in his system, is just an amazing child and so loving to his grandparents. And we kept it hidden from them. And I really regret doing that. Uh, but I felt like it was out of protection. Um, but it was such a shock when everything finally hit. But, yeah, the fear of not knowing what the future holds was just every morning waking up mm-hmm. on that. I'll, I'll tell you what it's like. The best night's sleep I had in probably two or three years was the night that he went into rehab. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And one of the second or third best nights we ever had was a couple of days after he went into jail. Mm-hmm. Because every single night, you go to bed, and I don't, I turn my phone on silent now when I go to bed. But during those times, you made sure your phone was on, you made sure the volume was up, because you believed when you went to bed, you were going to get that call. Mm-hmm. He'd been in a wreck, you know, he'd overdosed or whatever. So that's the kind of fear that you live with, and you live with it every day. And, and suffering has a way of doing that, right? We, we, we find ourselves um, losing our bearings, and so what we, we attempt to do is try and capture things that will make us make sense of a situation that doesn't make sense. And so suffering has to be an act of punishment from God because of some of our sin. Or there's a level of if I just uh, do these right things, then somehow God will prevent the worst case scenario. So take us through, specifically even in your guys' marriage and your own own walk with Christ, where did you begin to really start to palpably sense God working. I mean, you, you said that he was always there and you felt his presence, but what was some of the develop, transition? When did you really sense him um, drawing you close? Well, well, I, I'll say um, when I, I truly felt, to me, the greatest sense of, of peace in his presence uh, was, it was shortly after Austin was arrested and for the murder, and I remember just being by myself, very had to work. You know, somebody still got to take care of everything. So I don't know how he did it during this time, but um, you know, just crying uncontrollably. And I, I, at that point, realized there was absolutely nothing I could do. It was out of my control, and I felt this amazing sense of peace from God, telling me, "I've got it." You need to give him over to me. <clears throat> Sorry. And, um, and I'm telling you, the calmness I received at that moment, that I knew we still had such a struggle that we were going to have to go through, but I knew he had it. Hmm. And I knew he had us. That's amazing. I mean, that's the Philippians moment, right? Mm-hmm. That, that the God of peace will grant you peace that passes all understanding, that that peace doesn't make sense, but it's that intrusion of God's grace. Yeah. Well, I I guess when I first started to really think 
you know, okay, m- maybe this might turn out better than I anticipated. Because I, you know, like God, like Austin said, um, his idea was to go join a prison gang, and that's what I imagined. I imagined him going in there and everything you imagine about prison and you know, face tattoos and doing the whole, you know, whatever Aryan Nation or whatever the heck he was going to join. Uh, but I remember he would, he'd been in, in about a year and we had gone down there to go visit him. And we were religious about visiting. I mean, you know, no matter what your kids do, you don't give up on them, ever. And um, we started going down to visit him about every month. And uh, unless you've had prison visits, you have not lived because you sit there and wait for hours before you get in. Um, but he started telling us that, you know, hey, I'm starting to read the Bible. And I didn't believe it. I mean, I believed he was reading it, but I believed he had an ulterior motive that I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna show that I'm a Christian. They're gonna let me out, right? And I think maybe at first that's what it was. Um, but the more we went down there, and the more we listened to him, I told my wife, I said, whether it's real or not, he's reading it. So, so I kind of knew, hey, okay, something's kind of going on here. And I think that was, you know, probably like I say a year in. That was when I first started to realize, you know what? God's doing something here. I don't know what, but God's doing something. What do you sense he was doing in you? So a lot of times we, we think about our own journeys and we attribute, the, we can see the work that the Lord is doing in someone else that we've been desperately praying for. How would you capture for us the, what, what, what the work that the Lord was specifically doing in your own life through the suffering of someone else? Um. For me, it was completely to trust and lean on him. Um, Because here again, it's like I said, you know, as a human being, for some reason we think that we can somehow control the outcome (laughs) and predict the future and everything else. And, And I can't. But I just truly had to trust that whatever happened, good or bad, um... You know, I needed to accept it and and learn from it and grow from it and and hear you and share because it's boy, everybody's going through something. Everybody. And um, but yeah, mine biggest was to completely and totally lean on him hmm. and trust what was gonna happen was gonna happen. Hmm. I you know, when I started to see what he was doing, I had this sense that you know what? God may have put us here for a reason. I don't know what the reason was. I didn't know what it was going to be. But I, I sort of opened myself up to the fact that, you know, maybe there's a higher purpose here mm-hmm. for all of us. Maybe there, maybe we're put into this position for a reason. I didn't, like I say, I didn't know what the reason was. Mm-hmm. It's led me to this stage. Mm-hmm. But... I began to, to open myself up to, you know, maybe there's some good that can come out of this. Um, and there has been a massive amount of good that has come out of this. Give us some of that. So take us through a bit of the, the journey of how you've seen. You texted me this week, and I don't have the quote locked into my memory, but you said so often in the midst of suffering, we're playing, we're praying for short-term results when God has long-term plans. Yeah, I, what I said to you was is that, you know, the one thing that I have learned from all of this is that God's plans 
are often very long term. Mm-hmm. We and what I said was we tend to plead for short term results. That's you know, right. God, you know, please let Austin quit doing drugs. Please let you know uh, Austin quit doing this. God answered those prayers. Mm. Amen. Not exactly like I wanted Him to answer. <laughs> that's right. And that's kind of the way I figured out that He works. Uh, well but, said. You know. Um, uh, gosh, I mean. One of the things when you go through this as a parent or even as a husband or wife, you are so embarrassed and humiliated by what has occurred. I mean, you, you just feel like you have the mark of Cain on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I did not want to – the biggest fear I had when I would get around other people is when they would say, so do you have children? What do they do? Mm. Um, and I was mortified by that. Um but I took a leap of faith one day, and it was years ago. Um, I, I'm a lawyer, as you know, because you make me work for the church. <laughs> for free, though, just FYI. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about the hook in the bank. <laughs> anyway, um, we were, I was with a bunch of lawyers. Some of them I didn't know very well. And um, I got the question sitting in my office. He sees the picture of my kids on the wall. He said, um, oh, what do your kids do? And um, at that moment, I took a leap of faith, and I I just, I told the guy. Hmm. I said, you know, I told him about my son, Quentin, who is a straight-out arrow, stellar, you know, now joined the church and on the prayer committee and, I mean, you know, doing great. But I told him about what happened with Austin. And he told me that his daughter is going through the exact same thing. Mm. She was addicted to meth. <clears throat> and then I realized at that moment that was what this was all about. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and I'm unabashed about it. Um, mm. It could be a complete stranger. Mm. If I get asked about my kids, I tell them. Because everybody's got a story. Mm. It may not be as bad as ours. It may be worse. Mm. But I have spoken to groups all over the place. I've, you know, uh, and I think that's what the purpose may be of all of this. Of course, I also think, too, part of the purpose was to bring Carol and I back into the church mm. and bring us closer to God, which has happened. Mm. And we're... We were brought into this church by Tim and Mindy. They, mm. God put them in our lives. Mm. Um, but but I think that's really what this is all about. For, mm. for my purpose, I think my purpose is to go around and tell people what has happened, um, tell people how God has worked in my life, and hopefully it provides some inspiration to them for, for something they may be going through. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that that's important just to consider as well, thinking about, Austin's story, and I want to get back to some of the the real places where you've seen how God's used it in in, in particular ways. And I know that you serve on a board that's helping um, in some of those components. But before we get there, I just wanted to capture the moment that I think that you had said that um, you know the best place for Austin to be um, is is in prison right now, living out temporal consequences for sinful decisions he's made. But from God's vantage point, he has eternal security. So the, the eternal reality of the promises of, of life with Christ forever, and even he's talking about 
ministering to gang members and different things like that. Like he's, he's, he's discovered his ministry because he's living out consequences for sinful decisions and what he's done. And so just like you said, right, you never give up on your kids. God, God says the same thing, right? Just that there's not a point where he's not pursuing us in that way and, and really redeeming um, uh, those situations that he's working out all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Um, so uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask, because as we've journeyed with this um, through different family members and stuff, suffering and challenges like this in the context of a marriage situation can be a place of fracture that the husband and wife tend to uh, kind of really move apart because of the trauma that you guys have been through. What did God do in your marriage? How, how did you navigate it together relationally? Um, well, I, you know, for us, like you said, I mean, Barry and I have been very blessed in that we've always been on the same page with our children, regarding our children, you know, whether it was discipline or, um, or something like that. We always kind of come together. Um, something like this that occurs, we were both so broken, and we were leaning on each other so much um, uh, because, obviously, he understood exactly how I felt, and I understood exactly how he felt. Um, you know, it, I, I don't know what, you know, we just always try to make a conscious decision to, um, you know, I don't know. It was just, it was so out of control. Well, I don't. I've known Carolyn since fourth grade. Okay. <laughs> that helps a little bit. And, uh, <laughs> we were always really good friends. Mm-hmm. Never dated. Date. Never dated. And uh, I saved her from some dates, but I, uh, <laughs> we, we never, we never dated. Um, and. We actually came back together, um, I think I was in my second year of law school, and started dating. That causes me some concern yeah. that she finally well, decided to start dating me when I was about <laughs> to get out of law school. Um, but, but I'll tell you this. Um, there's a tendency, I think, sometimes and I, in marriages, you know, I'm feeling bad. I don't want her to feel bad. I'm trying to keep on a good face. I, or I keep stuff to myself, or maybe I go off and... I can say this. Carolyn and I are so close that I can sense the slightest issue that she's having. Hmm. I mean, it can be the way she's holding her mouth, the way mm-hmm. she's looking, the way... I mean, I can sense it, and she can do that with me. And we just made a pact early on. Um, we just said, look, if you sense that there's something going on with me, say something. Because mm-hmm. there's a tendency to kind of hold it in. You sure. know? And we just did that. And we just supported each other. And, you know, we cried and we laughed. We, you know, we just, we were there for each other 100%. And I, I think that that situation would have broken apart a lot of marriages. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it didn't ours. And I'll tell you, I think it's stronger today than it ever has been. Praise God. Yeah. So so as God brought you out of hiding, which you had described, that, that shame that can capture us, even if it's not even our own personal sin, but the embarrassment of another sin and God drawing you out by, by sharing your story, 
Um, talk to us a bit about how you've seen the, the good things. What's the fruit been? How has God worked in such a way that you've been able to see God really um, use what you are going through and have been through for, for his glory? Um, I guess for me, it's, you know, now that I've opened up, because like you said, hiding, I would go to Burleson to do shopping because I was terrified of running into somebody because I did not know what I was going to say. I was just mortified. Um, but as time passed, and uh, the more I leaned on God and trusted Him, I was always amazed how people would come up and they knew what had happened in our lives. And they kind of pull aside and say, I know you probably never knew this, but, you know, my husband was an alcoholic or mm. uh, my daughter's dealing with this or whatever. You know, we carry so much shame. Uh, Austin made a comment one time that you're only, you know, as sick as your secrets. Mm. And it's true. And it eats you alive. Mm. Because you, you think somehow that you're protecting someone or yourself by not sharing. And the more I opened up and the more I shared, I, I was just blown away mm. how, you know, you could see people releasing their guilt, their um, anxieties, um, and, you know, and in, in I'm encouraging them to get help. Um, and because you can't do this alone. You can't. You, there's no way you can do this alone. You know, you know, we all come to church um, for your word and spiritual guidance. And we really need to lean on each other. Mm. You know, we're here for each other. We're not judgmental. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, God bringing us here through Mindy and Tim, mm. who I'm so grateful and thankful for. And I know there's no coincidences on that. Yeah. We met for a reason, and it was a God deal. Mm -hmm. And everything that happens in my life now, it is a God deal. Mm. And, um, yeah, so I just, I continue to try to keep myself open. Mm. And, and, and allow, um, you know, because that's what we're meant to be. We're supposed to be here for each other and, mm -hmm. and share our testimonies. Mm -hmm. And um, hopefully it can help somebody mm -hmm. or they can reach out and say, oh, gosh, you know, how, what are we going to do or how can we get help for this? Mm -hmm. So, um, but God just continues to amaze me. And I, the one thing I know now, I see miracles every day. Mm -hmm. I took for granted what I had. Mm. I really did. Mm. And um, so, you know, he, he pushes you out of being uncomfortable sometimes. Mm. But it's it's to lean on him. Mm. I tell this often. <clears throat> if, uh, if Jesus Christ had walked up to me after we had walked out of the courtroom that day when Austin pled guilty and put his arm around me, he says, Barry, now look, here's what's going to happen over the next seven or eight years I would have called BS on him. Hmm. I mean there have been so many for me just surreal moments one of them is that we have talked to Austin for several years about well when you get out you know and he can get out in 20 so it's not going to he's not going to be there 40 um, when we get out won't it be cool when we can be able to do our testimony together hmm. We're doing it today. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, the foundation, Southwest Baptist Seminary has a branch in, in the prison. Let's 30 students a year out of 180,000 inmates in. Mm -hmm. He got in. Um, 
it is funded by a charitable organization um, and uh, called Heart of Texas Foundation. And several years ago, I mean, we Austin shined in, in, in the seminary, which made the head of the seminary and the head of uh, the foundation kind of want to know me a little bit better and care a little bit better. Like, okay, well, this kid, he's pretty special. And as it turned out, uh, Carolyn and I uh, one year did our video testimony about what the, church, what the program had done for, for Austin. And then the next year, I guess I was the keynote speaker at their fundraiser. Mm. Um, where there was like four or five hundred people out there and, and told them about what uh, the Bible school had done. Um, got a standing ovation and they mm. made a ton of money. Yeah. But I'm standing up there and I'm like, this is this is so surreal. Mm. But just from, from our perspective, I, I can say this. I mean, I have spoken to hundreds and hundreds of people, either individually or in groups. Um, and I know that our story has impacted a lot of people for the good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know whether it turned them into Christians or I don't know what, but I know that people left with our story mm-hmm. um, being emboldened mm-hmm. and, and, and you know having some faith that things could work out okay. Mm-hmm. So. And then it's brought us all around back to church. Yeah, yeah. it brought us back to church mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's the most, I mean, it's just an incredible part of God's work is that, like you had mentioned, Carolyn, the, the ability to struggle in the light, that, that all of us have our, our level of, of challenge and unhealth and dysfunction. We're all walking through something. Um, but when we realize that it's God's story and not our story, things are fundamentally different. So as we kind of just finish up here, would you guys maybe just capture for us as a, as, as a body of Christ, as a faith family, um, one thing that you would want us to walk away with, um, and I know there's probably a billion things, but just just something that you would say, look, is this this is the the deepest thing that I would want you to know about what Jesus has done in my life um, to to propel you closer to Him. What would be one thing you'd leave us with this morning? Oh gosh, like you said, it's hard to kind of summarize all in one. Sure. Um, well, while you're thinking about it, I go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, until this happened with Austin, you know, we had, I would say we had the perfect life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, but the one thing that I think that I would tell you is that when everything is at its worst, when it seems like your life is completely out of control and it is as catastrophic as it's going to get. Just know that that's God. That's God's plan, mm-hmm. and like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, mm-hmm. it's for the good. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's 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 going to work out for the good at some point. Mm-hmm. It may be six months. It may be six years. Mm-hmm. But I just think you don't lose all hope. When, when when something like this or something horrible happens in your life. Because I really believe that God is pushing you in a certain direction and you need to be open to whatever that direction is mm-hmm. and receive it and then use it for the good. That, that's what I would say. 
Well, and I, Austin mentioned that in his testimony that, that sin is no respecter of persons. And so um, none of us are immune. Um, and nor can we predict when the train will go off the track. And we, we just don't know. But, but we know the mercy of the Lord and his faithfulness towards us um, through through whatever event might be going on in this moment. How about for you? Well, in, you know, I just wanted to say with um, one of the things Austin told me, he said, Mom, at least now I know if I die tomorrow mm. that we're going to be together again. Mm. And it gave me a sense of peace, too, because, I, you know, there's there's no guarantees. He'll get out in 20. There's no any. And he said, you know, this might not have been my purpose in the beginning, mm. but I have a purpose now. And I kind of feel that is with all of us. Um, you know, we fight sometimes when things are occurring with us. Mm. But there's, like you said, there's a reason. Mm. And it's a stirring inside of you. Um, you know, my, my, I guess, advice or whatever. I mean, it's just truly to trust, let go and let God. Mm. And live one day at a time. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Mm. And, and to worry about that, to me, you've wasted a day. Mm. And, and truly stop and, and um, you know, get out and just, you know, it's there's so much around us and we just take it for granted. Mm. And I try not to do that, but mainly just to trust and lean on him. I know that's what he wants us to do. Mm. I praise God for, for you guys and just the opportunity to be vulnerable and, and share your story. It brings to mind um, Psalm 51 where David's at this place of just dealing with the a level of confession and awareness of his own sin. And, and he described it the very thing that you said, that Austin said, that we're only as sick as our secrets. Um, David says, a decay, a decay crept into my bones. Uh, he's dying from the inside out. And that's what, that's what secrets do. Yes. And so there's an aspect of encouragement to say, as we trust the power of the Holy Spirit and God be the one writing our story, it's going to ultimately lead us towards other people and, and allowing him to... Uh, use his church to shore one another up and drive us all closer to Christ. And so I don't know how, or, and I never could guess the fullness of how God's going to use your story this morning. But I know for me, you've pushed me closer to Jesus. And so thanks for taking the time to share with me. Let me pray for us, and then we'll, um, we'll move on to worship. Lord, thank you so much.